Colossians chapter 3. I'm grateful to be back uh, this week. I was sorry to miss you guys last week on a lot of levels. Uh, we got back from the Dominican, and um, Bradley and I just weren't feeling right, and uh, I, that was unfortunate on a lot of levels. During that week, uh, Bradley asked his mom if he was working last Sunday, and she said, no, why? And he said, well, I just want to sit with Dad in one service. And uh, I was really looking forward to just sitting with my son and uh, being preached to and... and uh, didn't work out that way last Sunday, but uh, we got to be sick together, if that was any consolation. I'm not sure that was what he was looking for. That was not the way he wanted to spend Sunday morning with his dad, but uh, that, that is the way that it, it worked out. And I'm grateful for Mike Kahn um, for preaching. Um, a lot of you are, came this morning craving M&Ms, from what I hear. Um, I, I hear he made you aware of, of varieties of M&Ms that you didn't know existed, and so... Um, I do not come with candy uh, this morning, but uh, I will hopefully give us the, the milk of the word, uh, which what we need, as Mike Kahn did faithfully last week. And we are in a study of Colossians. We are in chapter 3, verse 12. And uh, as we dive in, really there's a transition here in chapter 3, as is typical with Paul's writings. And as we uh, dive in, um, today, I, I really, as I looked at this passage and, and just trying to cover ground and not trying to spend four years in one book or way too long in one book, I, I really tried to take a chunk of this text and uh, tried to force myself to, to preach a chunk of this text, and I really kept going back to one word. And I think it's a very important word. I think it's a word that is is very misunderstood. I think it's misunderstood for a lot of reasons and in a, and a lot of ways, and, and I just kept going back to this one word. And so I'm not going to say I'm going to preach on one word today because that, that's impossible, but I am going to focus. Let's say this. I'm going to focus on one word. And, and, and I want to say on the outset that what we, the word that I'm going to focus on in, in many circles and in maybe some of our lives, it's a bad word. It's not. It's 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 just a word that that we don't like. And and here's here's, uh, you know, when we, I don't want to lose you with this word. I don't want. I don't. I don't. As soon as I as soon as we read it, and as soon as we start talking about it, I don't want to lose you. I, I think it's a bad word for a lot of reasons, but mainly because it it crushes our pride. We 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 as as sinners. In a culture that that. Uh, really uh, encourages pride, focuses on self, coddles self. When we, when we see this word here today and we look at the depths of this word, the reason why we hate it, the reason why we bristle at it, the reason why we, we run from it, we don't want to talk about it, we don't think about it, because it crushes our pride. Just obliterates our pride and specifically pride when it comes to the gospel. We, we desperately, desperately, we want to take credit for things. We want to be responsible. We want to be the ones that, we want to be the, the masters of our ship. We, we want to take credit for having figured God out. We want to have, take credit for 
chose, for choosing God. We want to take credit for figuring God out. We, 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 we take passages like John 3.16, for God so loved the world, and we say, you know what? That's the gospel is a testimony to my great worth, that, that God would crucify His Son for me. Listen, that's a lie. The gospel is not a testimony to your worth. The gospel is a testimony to God's greatness. That, that love that God showered upon the world in John 3.16, you know where that love originated? In God. It didn't originate in a worth of the individual being saved. It originated in the God who was doing the saving. And we, we love to, to hijack uh, responsibility. And, to, to, and when we do that, listen to me, here's why I say that. We fundamentally change the gospel when Jesus Christ, if Jesus Christ died for worthy individuals, we fundamentally change the gospel. If... If me, me, me standing in the way of a bullet for Bradley or Sarah Grace or Karen is one thing. Me standing in the way of a bullet of my greatest enemy is a totally different thing. Those are two totally separate acts. And God did not crucify Himself for, for individuals that were worthy of that. He did that, Romans 5, 8. God demonstrates His love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, while we were enemies, while we were haters of God, Romans 3, while we were not righteous, there's not, while we were running, He crucified His Son. That whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord could be saved. He redeemed us. And, and th this word that I want to look at today, it crushes, crushes our pride, it crushes our self-glorification, it crushes our, our, our worth, but, but yet at the same time, it gives us worth, but in the right place. It establishes worth in the right place. It establishes identity in the right place. I dare say it establishes love and gratitude in the right place. Because we'll see today, see, if I chose God, that's one thing. But if, if God chose me, in spite of me, that's a totally different thing. And, and that's what I want us to see today. Because immediately, again, chapter 3 is a, is a break. And, and everything hinges, everything we see for the remainder of Colossians hinges on us getting this right, if we, don't, if we don't understand 1 Corinthians 6, that we have been bought with a price, glorifying God in your body makes no sense. Because if I figured God out, what makes sense is that God now serves me because He ought to be grateful that I figured it out and that I chose Him. But if God chose me, then I ought to be grateful for that. And in living for the one who chose me makes all the sense in the world. See, they're two totally different Gospels. One makes God out to be our servant, and the gratitude ought to be in God's, in God's 
position for, for us choosing him, the other puts gratitude in our court, and we ought to be grateful for him choosing us. And, and this crushes our pride, and we, we fight it. It's possible some of us even right now are squirming in our, our pews just from what I've said so far, and i got eight pages of notes left. We ain't even got started. It's, it's 10, not, what is it, 9.55. we got an hour. We don't have an hour. If we were in Nigeria, Esther, we'd have more than an hour, but this is America, and we got about 35 minutes of attention, so let's go. But, but listen, look at verse 12 of chapter 3. Remember the context. We're being renewed, verse 10, to a true knowledge. We, but, and he gives, there's neither Greek nor slave, but Christ is all in all. Verse 12, so, therefore, listen, therefore, as those who have been chosen of God. Stop right there. Every ounce of me wanted to go on and talk about holy and beloved, and we're going to do that next week. Chosen of God. If you're here today and you're a believer in Christ, listen to me. You're a believer in Christ by God's choosing. Listen, think about that. You, you, and, and I want, I want I, more than bristling that, I want you to let that overflow. I want that to let that flow over you for a moment. I want you to sit in that for just a second. God chose you. Think about that. And that's the main point. We must remember as believers, listen, you're part of the body of Christ by God's choosing, not your own doing. He chose. I mean, that right there in and of itself, we talked about the title of this series is Unrivaled. That right there shows the unrivaled nature of the Savior that we have. Every other world religion, it's this. Work, 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 work. Try to be good enough, and if you're good enough, you might get in. And yet, the, the true gospel, the one true God says this, on the front end, you're not good enough, you can never be good enough, you can never measure up, and yet I'm going to choose you anyway, and I'll make you good enough. I'll declare upon you righteousness that you'll be good enough. Dare say, perfect. The unrivaled nature of this gospel and, and we don't understand grace. Why? You and I don't operate on grace. We operate on law. You do this, I do that. You do this, I do that. If you're good enough, I'll love you. If I'm good enough, you'll love me. Be honest. That's the way we operate. And yet God doesn't operate on that. I, I was sharing the gospel with a, with a, a, a man who was Hindu, and, and, and he was trying to put the, the, our gospels, on the, our religions on the same Par and I said, listen, let me let me explain to you something. They're not even close to being on the same par. My God tells me on the front end, I'm not good enough, I'll never be good enough, but yet in his son, he'll declare me to be good enough. End of story. Your millions of gods say, work, 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 and it might, you might measure up. And if the scale it, it's they're not comparable. The gospel, the one true gospel here in this Bible is it's unrivaled. While we were yet sinners, Christ chose us. This is exactly, listen to what Paul has already said in Colossians. This is why my sermons go too long, because I don't stick to my notes. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He made you alive together. He made you alive together. 
with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. He took it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. God did that. Even in, even in chapter 1, verse 13, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness and he transferred us to the kingdom of, of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Who did that? God did that. Everything we see here, everything we see here for the rest of Colossians, I dare say for the rest of the, the time, for, forever you're in the Bible, it, it, it goes back to grace and it goes back to the gospel. It goes back to the fact that God, as our creator and his creation, had wandered away, ran away, and in his great love and mercy, he crucified his own son, raised him three days later, that whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord could be saved, could be redeemed, could be purchased back, could be brought back, could be transferred into the kingdom of darkness, and God would forever reign as our king as he intended a creation. He literally is restoring his original creation through you and I, believer. He's, he's on his way to an end goal where he will restore creation. That's the new heavens and the new earth. And he's creating for himself a redeemed people, namely believers. But he's doing the work. And everything that we see here goes back to then sourced in the gospel, having first received grace in our lives, again, and that originated, that being brought up by God's choosing of us. You see it on your handout. Everything we are called to do and be as believers is sourced in God's grace. Go back to the gospel. It makes total sense when we grasp the gospel. We've been bought. We've been purchased. Paul says it over and over, you are not your own. You have been bought with a price, believer, therefore glorify God in your body. You're, you're owned by another master. And again, what Paul says here is exactly what he says in this section. He gives believers the exact title that was given to Israel long ago in the Old Testament. Listen to just as one example, Isaiah 45 Verse 4, again, Israel was the chosen people of God. They were set apart from all other nations. And here in Colossians, Paul is giving us the same title as the people of God that he gave Israel. For the sake of Jacob, my servant, and Israel, my chosen one, I have called you by your name, have given you a title of honor, though you have not known me. You see the grace there? And what we, we, through faith in Jesus Christ, in his death, burial, resurrection, repenting of our sin, turning to God, looking to Christ for our righteousness, by grace we have been adopted into the people of God. That's Galatians 3. We have been adopted into the people of God. But it's because of God's choosing. It's due to God's grace. It's not our own effort. I mean, even our belief, what caused us to believe, it was the, the Holy Spirit quickening us to new life. Ephesians 2, 1, we're dead. He says, when you, you were dead in your trespasses. 
2 Corinthians 4, 4 says the God of this world has blinded the hearts and the minds of the unbelieving. It's God's grace that quickened us, that brought us to life, that took the scales off our eyes, that we would even respond in faith to the gospel. And, and both of these, both of these uh, words here, even the titles, holy and beloved, in the Greek, they're in the passive tense, meaning you did nothing to earn those titles. You were passive. It's totally of God. You see it in your handout. What Paul is saying and reminding us and reminding the Colossians is that God is the agent. He is the one doing the choosing. It's God. He's doing the choosing. And, and it's the same, it's, it was the same for, for, for Israel. It would have hearkened, any, any Jewish individual would have gone back to Deuteronomy 7. Listen, this is talking about the choosing of Israel. The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any of the peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers, the Lord brought you out of the mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Therefore, know therefore that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps His covenant, His loving kindness to a thousandth generation. God is the agent. He's the, he's, the, he's the hero in the story. Not you and I. And, and everything points, He's pointing back even to that Exodus. If you were to go to Exodus 19, uh, verses 4 through 6, God's choosing is the basis of their relationship. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession and you shall be upon me a people, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. God is the one doing the choosing. It's very important that we understand that the gospel, it's, it's about God. The hero is God, not you. The, the amazement, the awe of the gospel is that though we were yet sinners, God crucified His Son that whosoever would call upon His name could be saved, could be redeemed, could be forgiven, could be propitiated, could be adopted, could be justified, could be reconciled, all of those terms. But it's through God And what we must be focused on, you see it on your, on your handout, and we've been, Daniel and I and Nathan and Kenda have been working on this statement. I don't have a real good handle on the English language, so I don't know if grammatically this is correct. But it, what we must be focused on and everything of our life is to flow in his response. You see it on your handout. It's source. The source of our true worship is this, God's gracious choosing of us. Everything goes back to the fact that you've been chosen, Believer. You've been bought with a price. It is God's doing. My, my prayer in this is not that we would bristle, and but that we would be in awe, that we would allow that word to just flow over us, that we would be in awe of the grace of God, that He would choose me yet while I was a sinner. He would choose me. Think about that. That, that you'd let that sink in. That, that we would stop trying to figure it out. It's beyond our, it's a beyond our comprehension. I'm finite. God is infinite. 
All throughout the scripture, his ways are not our ways. Paul himself said in Romans 11, how unsearchable, how unfathomable are the judgments of God. And, and again, the point Paul is making and what this would have meant in God choosing them is that his choosing them, his saving them, it was not sourced in, it was not rooted in, it was not contingent upon their own doing. And God's choosing them forms the entire basis for the response Paul is getting into. He's going to say, now put on, put on, put on. And it's God's choosing them that forms the basis for them putting on and doing what he's going to save for them to do. It's their status change. It's their having been chosen. And, and again, this is grace focused. This is gospel Focus. We have been rescued. We have been transferred to a new kingdom, new family. We've been adopted. And that changes everything. And the central agent in that is God. That's God's doing. Even, even with regards to Israel, that's where Romans 9 and 11 comes in that says, while, while Jacob and Esau went in the, in the womb, before they did anything, what does it say? God chose Jacob. Before they were in the womb, why, did, why there? Because if they were outside of the womb, if they were seven, eight, nine years old, and all of a sudden, they, oh, well, God chose Jacob. You know what we do? What did Jacob do to deserve being chosen? That's what we would do. And it's the same thing that you and I do. What did I do? What about me made me worthy of God choosing me? Nothing. Nothing. In God's grace, he adopted you. In God's grace, He has made a way for you to be adopted. While, while we were in the Dominican, we, we get there on Monday, and the, the missionary says, Hey, Chris, I got some business to take care of you. And I'm like, with you, and I'm thinking, Uh-oh, what did I do? What didn't I do? Do we have a place to stay? Is everything? And he says, she says, Hey, we need you to preach tomorrow night. I'm like, what? Uh, okay. Uh, is there anyone else that can do it? She said, no, we, you've never done it when you've been down here. We want you to do it. I was like, okay. And, and I asked this simple question because it, it, they, they bring all the, the groups together. And, and these groups, I, I'm not so naive to believe they're all saved. I don't know where they are. I don't know who they are. They brought in all these groups together. And, and here's the question I asked. If you're a believer today, if you're, and I would ask the same thing today. If, if you're in this room today and you're a believer, let me ask you this. Why did God save you? If, if, think about that question. If you're a believer in here today, why did God save you? And I've said this, if you're not a believer, and I would say the same thing in a groom, this, I don't know who's a believer and who's not. Some days I wonder about my own salvation, never mind yours. But listen, if you're not a believer today, here's the question I would ask you. Why in the world would God save you? If you're a believer, why did God save you? And if you're not a believer, why would God save you? And here's the beauty. Here's the beauty. Both of those questions have the same answer. And here's the answer. The glory of God. The glory of God. Believer, you were forgiven, redeemed, adopted, all those things to the glory of God. Non-believer, you know why God would pardon you of your sin right now? Right now you could be saved. Right now you can repent, call upon the name of the Lord, follow Him, and God will forgive you of your sin. Why? To the glory of God. To the glory of God. And, and it's all about grace. 
It's all about grace. L- listen to you know, a, a couple of, of passages. Uh, uh, well, we'll get there in a minute. We'll get there in a minute. Let's go. So, Psalm 2511. L- listen to Psalm 2511 just to make my point. I get off my notes and my mind starts wondering. 2511, listen to this. David is writing, he says, For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. For whose whose glory did David say to forgive him? God's glory. Not his own. He didn't say, based on me being king, based on all this stuff I've done. He says, no, for your name's sake, pardon my iniquity. Listen to Psalm 79.9. Help us, O God, of our salvation for the glory of your name. And deliver us and forgive us of our sins for your name's sake. You see the glory of God? Why would God pardon you the glory of God? And one of our biggest struggles as, as believers, one of the biggest, and you see it all throughout the scripture, is forgetfulness. As we walk, it, it, and it's that way in everything. We, we, were, we couldn't wait to get married, and then we get married, and it's like, oh, married. We couldn't wait to have kids, and then you have kids, and it's like, these kids. Be honest. We forget. And unfortunately, with salvation, as believers, we forget that it was grace that put us in the adopted position that we which now stand. We think, oh, you know, I was this. I was. No, you weren't. It's grace. And we forget grace. And you see it on your handout. One of the biggest issues that we face as believers is forgetting God's grace in our own lives. It's of assuming credit for things that are sourced in grace. We, we become arrogant as believers. Like we did some, We become arrogant toward non-believers. Like we're better than them. No, it's grace. It's grace. We, we begin to take credit for things that are sourced in God's grace. We, we think we're better than those who are not saved. We think we're better than other believers. Like we deserved it. We forget grace. And, and, and all, throughout, all throughout history, that's been the issue. We can go back to Deuteronomy 6, Paul, uh, Roman... Uh, um, Moses has them on the cusp of the promised land. Listen to what he says. It shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land. This is the thing he warns them. When God brings you into the land that he swore to your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to you great and splendid cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things that you did not fill, hewn cisterns which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, and you eat and are satisfied. Okay, what's the... What's he saying there? Grace. You're entering into a land that's full of grace. Look what he says in verse 12. Then watch for yourself that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. First thing he says is don't forget. You know what the second thing he says is? Don't worship other gods. Forgetfulness always leads to idolatry. Always leads. Because we think we're worthy. We forget grace. It was God who delivered them from Egypt. It was God who put them in Egypt. Romans 9 says he raised up Pharaoh. Why? For the very reason to show his glory in Pharaoh and letting him go. It was God who parted the Red Sea. It was God who provided the manna. It was God who led them for 40 years in the wilderness. It was God who defeated the Canaanites. It was always God. 
And it's the same in your life. He's the hero. It's grace. And our tendency as believers is to forget grace. Romans 2, 4. What's it, they did great. That church did great things. You know what he had against them? They forgot their first love. Forgot grace. And what Paul is saying here on the outset and what he's saying to the Colossians, what he's saying to us, and you see it on your handout, it's a privilege to bear the name Christian. It's a gift. Because it's all due to grace. And what, what we see here, the very beginning of, what, of this, of, he's going to command a lot of things, and everything that Paul commands here in Colossians 3 and following goes back and is sourced in grace. Because of who you are, believer, by grace, clothe yourself in this way. Because you are God's representative, clothe yourselves. What we'll see next week, all the characteristics. Heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing one another, forgiveness, love. All of those characteristics are first characteristics that God gave to us. You know what he's saying? As God's adopted family, go mimic God's character. And here's how you do it. The same thing you've been given, go give to others. As God's children. Grace. And, and what verse 12 makes very clear right off the bat, you see it on your handout, is that God is the one, He is the initiating power behind our salvation. He is the reason behind everything we see here. And what this means, and again, this crushes our pride, but if you're, if you're in here today and you're a Christian, you're a believer, it's not because you first chose God. It's not because you figured God out. It's not because you weighed the scales and God just made more. No, no, no. It's because God. And we can go back to Ephesians 1 and support this with Scripture. Ephesians 1 verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Fathom that for a moment. It's the same thing he's saying about Jacob and Esau. Before, before you even have anything to boast about, before you even have an inkling of anything to boast about, I chose you before the foundation of the world. That we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Christ to himself according to the kind intention of His will. Listen, that truth, instead of causing us issues, that ought to cause us tremendous confidence. That ought to be great comfort. That ought to be great security. It wasn't based on what I did. Therefore, it's, it wasn't based on what I did to earn it. Therefore, it's not based on what I must do to maintain it. I am secure because God chose me, and James 1 says in him there is no variation or shifting of shadows. He chose me. Ephesians 1.13 says he sealed me with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not up here trying to deny free will and figure I'm not saying I got it all figured out. Here's what I'm saying. You've been chosen, believer. Let that sink in. You've been chosen, when we, study, when we study 1 Peter next, we'll get to chapter 2, verse 9, and it says, He chose us to declare the excellencies of the one who chose us. Why did He choose you? To show how awesome He is. That's why Paul goes on to say, put on, put on, put on, put on the very character, believer, of the one who chose you. 
And listen, every it, we, we can't soften this by trying to say even, even we, we, we come to these passages and say, well, we try to explain it by saying, you know what, God knew that I would get saved and so he chose me. Do you understand who that, who that puts the emphasis on? That puts the emphasis on me. Again, every ounce of us wants to be in control. Every ounce of us wants to be God. Every ounce of us... No, he didn't say, oh, well, Chris is going to choose me, therefore I choose him. That, that's not what he means here in choosing. I know God. I am in a relationship with God because he chose me. And listen, if, if, that were, if, 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 if it was based on my choosing, then my salvation would not be based on God's grace alone. It would be based on my faith. It would be based on me doing something. It would presume even that sinners have the ability to believe in Christ without God, which contradicts Scripture. John 6, says, No one comes to the Father unless the Father draws him. You can go to Luke 10, 21 and 22, John 6, John 8, Romans 8, all throughout Scripture. Matthew 16, he says, Hey, who do the, who do the people say that I am? And they throw out all these titles. And he looks at Peter and he says, Peter... Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ. You know what Jesus says? He says, Peter, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. You know what he's saying there? That was a gift of God. That, that, and he says, upon that declaration that Jesus is the Christ, upon that declaration, that truth, I will build my church. Not on Peter. He's not talking about the Pope here. It's that declaration that Jesus is the Christ. That's the declaration that brings us into the church. And that declaration is not made on our own merit, not our own ability. It is a gift of God. It's not of the flesh. We can go to Ephesians 2, 8, 9. By grace you are saved through faith and not of works, lest anyone would boast. Philippians 1, 29. For it has been granted to you not only to believe in Christ, but to suffer for His name's sake. That word granted literally means grace. It has been graced to you to believe in Christ. And, and I'm not saying I totally grasp it. I'm not saying I understand it. Again, I'm, inf I'm finite. God is infinite. I, I, I will be the first to admit to you there is so much about this word that I do not understand. That's why I run to it day after day after day, and I fight it. I'm not perfect even in that. In my sinful humanity, it's very easy for me to set this word aside and to rely on my own flesh, to rely on yesterday's bread, to just rely on stuff. No, every single day I've got to run to this. Because behind this book is not a bunch of facts. It's not just knowledge. There's a person, and it's God. I've been brought, invited to a relationship with a person. And that person redeemed me. He bought me. He invited me in when I had no claim on him at all. And yet he invited me in. And God did everything necessary for sinners to be redeemed. God did that. For you to be redeemed and forgiven. He chose us before the foundation of the world. And in spite of everything that I don't grasp, the main thing is to let God be God and submit to the truth of this word that I've been chosen. If you believe in Christ, it's because God chose you. Let that flow over you, please, that you are chosen. You want worth? Find your worth in that. That God chose you. Live in the overflow of that. 
I mean, that, that salvation, that you live in the overflow of having been chosen. I mean, Paul, Paul deals with this, the pride issue in, in 1 Corinthians. I mean, you go to 1 Corinthians 1, 26. He's talking to believers here. He says, For Consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that are strong and the base things of the world and the despised. God has chosen the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are. So that, listen, why? Why is the gospel the way it is? Verse 29, so that no man may boast before God. Grace. I want to boast. Listen to me, I'm very good at boasting. My flesh is very good at looking out for my flesh, and yet the gospel crushes my flesh. It crushes my pride. Even verse 31, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. If we would grasp this, if we would grasp it, it have huge implications for our lives. Because listen, it, it, this affects how we respond to God. If I chose him, if I chose him, then suddenly he becomes, he is the one who ought to be grateful to me for having chosen him. And he is the one that ought to serve me and ought to bow down to me. But if he chose me, now the roles are reversed. I ought to be grateful to him. I ought to submit to him. You see how subtly it changes everything. It's totally different gospels. And if I chose him, well, now I can unchoose him. But if God chose me before the foundation of the world, now there's great security in that because he chose me before I did anything good or bad. He chose me. And we've got to be careful. Having been chosen provides us tremendous security and peace. But it changes everything. And you see it on, hand, on, your, on your hand out there. In being chosen, there is great gratitude and thanksgiving and humility due to grace. That's why verse 17 makes all the sense in the world. Even verse 15, be thankful. Verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all to the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. And, and, and even, even think about the unity amongst us as a family. Believer. All the believers in this room, listen to me. We're, all of us are adopted children in God's family. If you're in God's family, you got there by the grace of God through adoption. I mean, imagine, imagine somebody going into an orphanage and adopting a child and taking them home and that child is walking out doing like this to the other kids as if he had performed some great task to be adopted or boasting about it. You know who the glory goes to? The glory goes to the one who chose. To the one who chose. And I challenge us to consider this truth. I challenge you, believer, to let this truth wash over you. Let it comfort you. Let it, let it free you up to live recklessly for God because He chose you. There's security there. I, I, challenge that, I, I pray that it challenge us to share the gospel with great vigor, with great eagerness, knowing it's not up to me to convince that other individual. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It's up to me to share. Share. 
to be the communicator, and then God, through the Holy Spirit, does His job in that person's life. That'll free us up tremendously to share the gospel. I challenge us to, let it, to, to consider our position before God, to consider our attitude, our approach. Have we maybe forgotten grace? Have we maybe assumed an attitude of, of maybe arrogance or an attitude of unforgetfulness, maybe even an attitude of ungratitude towards our salvation, forgetting that we've been chosen, forgetting that we were totally unworthy? Are you living in the overflow of the grace of God and having been chosen? Or have you even responded in faith to the grace of God? Have you simply recognized grace in the gospel, maybe acknowledged it, but maybe you haven't clothed yourself with it? And I, and I, I want to illustrate this. I want to be careful here, but I want to illustrate it. All illustrations fall short at some point, but I thought about this as we were in the Dominican and I want to say thank you to a church that's very generous. I want to pastor a, a generous church, not to my, my glory, but to the glory of God. And, and, and I believe we are that. And, and we had the privilege of delivering the gifts that you bought. And, and, and we'll show the video next week uh, of, of the girls opening up the gifts. And as they did that, there was one particular girl, um, and she was right here to my right, and we handed out all the gifts, and they were very patient, unlike many of our children. They were very patient to let everybody get their gifts before they opened their gifts, and they waited for Dalma to say go, and they opened their gifts. And There was a particular girl, I watched her, and she simply held the gift. She, she would not open it. And, and you could tell that she was struggling and, and I walked over to her, and I, I stood beside her, and I put my arm on her, and I said, open the gift. And uh, it, it, was, it was, forgive me, it was emotional, but over and over, I, put, I just said, open the gift. And, I, and, and she could speak a little bit English, and I said, hey, why won't you open the gift? And in her broken English, she said a couple of things. She said, well, Chris, I, I'm grateful to just be holding a gift. Imagine that. Joy in just holding the gift. Joy in knowing somebody loved you enough to send you a gift. And then I said, I said, open the gift. She said, Chris, I, I, I'm pray, I've been praying for one gift, and, and what if this isn't that gift? I said, open the gift. Just, I mean, I know what it is. Open the gift. And I don't want to let her know that. And eventually she opened the gift. And it was the thing that she had been praying for. I mean, she's bawling. It was amazing to see. She immediately started yelling. She was crying. Other girls that knew she wanted that gift are yelling and crying. And she's saying, this is the one gift I prayed for. I wanted, it so, I wanted so badly for this gift to be that gift. 
And it was a joy just to see her joy. It was a joy to see the other girls rejoicing with her and for her. And, and here's why I say all that. Let's see, we put all those, we put those names out there and you as, a, fa you as a, a, a family chose a girl. You chose a girl and you gave her the gift. That girl could not make any claim on you. That girl did not deserve it. She didn't necessarily warrant it in the sense of where you had to do it. It was grace. You, you chose that girl by grace. You picked that girl. You didn't mean anything against the other girls. You weren't trying to... It, 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 you just picked her to shower grace upon her. Imagine for a moment, just imagine for a moment that that girl just took the gift and left it wrapped. Imagine she never opened it. There would have been pleasure and joy in simply holding the gift, but there was more pleasure and joy in opening the gift. The, the, the real joy was not just giving the gift. The joy was seeing them open up the box and put on the shoes, opening up the dolls and playing with the dolls, opening up the microphones and singing with the microphone. That was the, it wasn't just the gift. It was clothing themselves with the gift, taking it out of the box, playing with it, enjoying it. Here's why I say that. Christianity is more than just acknowledging the gospel. It's more than just saying, well, I believe that Jesus did that. It's clothing yourself with that. It's enjoying that. It's finding your joy in that. It's, it's what we saw with those girls enjoying the gift that was given. Not just holding the gift, enjoying it. Imagine if the girls just took the shoes and just put them on a shelf and never put them on, never ran with them, never played in them. What if they never played with the dolls? It's incomplete. We weren't saved just to say we're sa we were saved to declare the excellencies of the one who saved us. We were saved to put on the clothes of the one who saved us, to find our joy in the one who saved us, not just to hold, a, hold our Bibles, to read our Bibles, not just to say, I know the gospel, to embrace the gospel, to clothe yourself with the gospel, to live in light of the gospel. That's the point. That's the whole point of what Paul says here in Chosen. He immediately says, put on. Put on. We, we don't do this often, and I've asked Clay if he'd come up. I, I, as we start this new year, and I, as I thought about this and prayed about this, I wonder if there's some people in here who maybe are just holding the gift and not enjoying the gift of salvation. I wonder if maybe there's people in here who have become a little forgetful. Maybe become a little stagnant. Maybe become a little arrogant. The gospel was not meant to be just admired or acknowledged. It was meant to be submitted to. Surrendered your whole life to. Christianity is me living for the glory of the one who saved me to his glory. Not just taking a gift and putting it in my lap and saying, see, I got the gift. It's enjoying the gift. I'm going to open up these steps. If anyone wants to come down there to these steps, as Clay, as Clay plays, you can. Maybe in your seat where you are. May, maybe, maybe you need to rekindle that fire fresh and anew. Maybe you need to repent of maybe taking grace for granted.
Maybe repent of being casual. Maybe, maybe for some of us, we need to actually be saved. Because the invitation is this. Whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord could be saved. Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. I, I, we don't do, again, we don't do this probably often enough. I, I, I want to give us a moment to just let this sink in. Maybe this past year, maybe this past five years, whatever. Maybe you've fallen short of what the gospel was truly intended to look like in your life, believer. Maybe you've not, maybe there's areas of your life that you've not surrendered, not repented of, not given God the authority over, tried to fight Him there, whatever it is. As clay plays, it's in your seat, these steps, whatever it is. Let the Spirit search your life. And ask yourself, how have you responded to being chosen?